1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse number 23, the Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took of the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of the, of the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be identified with our precious Savior. Father, I thank you that in such a small way, Lord God, on something that takes uh, so little part from us, Lord God, but so much for you, I thank you, dear God, that we can be identified with you. Father, I pray tonight, dear God, that as we partake of this, we would understand exactly uh, what it is that we are partaking of, that we would realize the, the reverence and the sovereignty uh, of the act when we remember the, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Father, I pray, dear God, that as we step forward, beginning this new year, uh, that we would do it with a renewed dedication, a deeper fervency, a deeper desire to serve uh, you and to, and to tell others about you. And Father, we'll just thank you for all that's accomplished, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come here tonight uh, looking over the subject of the Lord's Supper. And again, this will be a very brief message. We will by no means uh, exhaust everything about the Lord's Supper. It will just be an overview. But as we look at what the Lord's Supper represents, it is much more than just an act uh, that is done there. It is much more than just a ritual. Christ said, this do, as often as you do it, this do in remembrance of me. And we look here uh, at what we are remembering, so to speak. We look here at several aspects of the Lord's Supper. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, when we talk about this, it is a time not only uh, of reflection, but it is a time of examination. And the Bible tells us in verse 28 and 29 that it is a self-examination there. So, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning uh, the Lord's body. Friends, this is not saying someone that is unworthy to partake in the Lord's body. None of us are worthy to partake in God's body. None of us are worthy to partake in what He has done for us in the cross. Sir. None of us are a worthy sacrifice. Uh, none of us can put our play, ourselves in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. What it is talking about when it says unworthily is an, unworthily, uh, an unworthy manner there in a way uh, that is irreverent or without any type of consideration of what we are doing here. Uh, this is a time that we examine ourselves there. Now first and foremost, this belongs only. This is an ordinance, one of two church ordinances but it belongs only to the child of God. If you are not saved tonight, and you say, Preacher, I, I, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, friends, we will uh, give you an opportunity uh, shortly to uh, do that very thing. But if you are not saved tonight, and you do not accept Christ tonight as your personal Savior, you have no business partaking in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. We ask you respectfully to withhold from that. 
Not any disrespect, I'll never do anything to embarrass you, uh, but this is for the child of God. This is for those who are saved. Uh, this is for those who have been bought with that body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His death, burial, and resurrection that has purchased our salvation, and that is the very first requirement before we go any further, is to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are saved uh, when you partake of this. Not only are we examining salvation, but we are also examining our sin. This here, as we seek to partake in the Lord's body and the Lord's blood there, we are seeking to partake in something of such great reverence and such great um, importance that before we are to do that, we are to examine ourselves and see if there is any unconfessed sin in our heart. We are to see that if there is anything between us and God that would hinder us from being able to partake in this in such a worthy manner. Uh, friends, this is something, this is going to be a time, again, we will give an invitation uh, before we take part in the Lord's Supper, but this is a time that if you know that there is something in your heart that is displeasing to God, that it is a time to lay it down and to confess that sin and ask God's mercy upon that sin, that He would cleanse us. As the old hymn says, that there would be nothing between our soul and the Savior. We know our sin in whole is paid for and we are saved. If we're saved tonight, it is under the blood. Thank God for that. It will never be held to our account. But we also know that any unconfessed sin can break fellowship. We also know that it will break fellowship with God. And in order to us, for us to have that right, um, that, that right heart and be able to partake in this with a right conscience, we have to make sure that there is nothing between us and the Lord. That is something, that, that is what David meant when he said, Search me, O Lord. He said, Try my heart and know my innermost thoughts. So he was telling God to look at the deepest crevice of his life and see if there is anything uh, that is hindering to God. As we step into the new year and we pray for God to search us, that is a very scary thing in many ways because it is so very real. When we pray for God to search our hearts there, Friends, as imperfect as we are, no doubt God is going to find something. Now there is a difference. Please, please do not misunderstand me. There is a difference between living in sin and having sin in our lives. To live in sin, the phrase live in sin means we know something is wrong. We know it is contrary to the Word of God. And yet we choose it anyway. And we continue on in that. That is something that brings uh, the chastisement of God. That is something that brings the correcting hand of God in our lives. That is something that brings trial and tribulation there. But as we come here, we're talking about unconfessed sin. There are sins of commission, things that we commit. And there are sins of omission, things that we forget to do. Every one of us have something that we can ask God to search our hearts on. As we begin to take part in this, it is a time of examination. It is also a time of exaltation. When we look at this, Christ said not once but twice, this do in remembrance of me. We remember the work that God has done there. Uh, we have praise for the finished work of God. When Christ hung on the cross of Calvary, He cried out, it is finished there. The Greek word tetelestai means paid in full. Everything that was required for our redemption, everything that was required for the fulfillment of God's perfect law and to allow that fellowship to be united between God and man, which Adam had lost, uh, Christ had redeemed, in you and I, uh, had redeemed for you and I if we would receive it there. We have an exaltation, we have a praise of God for that finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we are celebrating tonight, friends, when we look at this Bible. There are those who will tell you that Christ came to show us how to live. Friends, Christ came to die for you and I. His sinless life would mean absolutely nothing. 
His virgin birth would mean absolutely nothing had it not been for Calvary. Amen. He came to die for our sins and to be offered up that sacrificial Passover lamb in our place there. And friends, because of that, He deserves every bit of praise that we could possibly give. As it was sung just a little while ago, if He were to take everything from us, He would still be worthy of our praise. If He were not to give us another single blessing, He would still be worthy of our praise. The finished work of Calvary alone is worthy of every bit of praise that we could ever give Him. Is worthy of every bit of exaltation that we could ever give to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a time there of exaltation. Again, uh, praise for the finished work of God. We look also at His praise for the perfect will of God. We see here that Calvary, as you've heard me say many times, was not a byproduct. It was not plan B. It was planned sovereignly in the mind of God long before man ever failed there. Calvary... Uh, is, is, it was on God's heart ever for, uh, since the beginning there. Calvary, uh, it deals there, when we look at God's perfect plan, it deals with several things. It deals with the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came there and He suffered. That's what that unleavened bread and those bitter herbs represent there. It represents the body and the blood that was given in our place. It represents that body that was broken. We read there uh, in Matthew 26, in verse number 39 there, when he's talking about the cup of God's wrath, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, uh, not my will, but thine be done there. Well, Christ was not praying with any concern or any worry of physical pain. You will never find anywhere in Scripture where the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for physical pain. You'll never see where He cried for physical pain of Himself. But you will see where he cried over and over, spiritually speaking. We read where Jesus wept on multiple occasions there in the garden. He sweat as it was great drops of blood there. He began uh, to be heavy in spirit there because he knew the suffering that was about to take place there. He knew that when he hung on that cross of Calvary that there was going to have to be a separation between God the Father and God the Son that for the first and only time in all of eternity God the Father was going to have to turn His back on His Son there. He was going to have to literally forsake Him and allow Him to hang on that cross alone there. That sin that causes separation there, that sin that causes eternal damnation was bared by the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, He was separated from God the Father so that you and I could be reunited with Him. Friends, He deserves the exaltation for that. He deserves to be praised because He took our place in suffering. Presented that body there, not only in suffering, but in sacrifice. We read in Psalm 40 and again in Hebrews verse number, uh, 10, chapter 10, verse number 5. He said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. What God was interested in was not the burnt offerings of the bulls and the goats and the rams and the doves and all those things. They simply pushed off the payment of sin. They simply pushed off. The judgment of God. They rolled it over one more year and allowed God to overlook for one more year to pass over. But there came an ultimate time when that body of the Lord Jesus Christ that had been prepared from eternity past was going to have to be offered up. And that time came on Calvary's hill there on Golgotha's hill when He willingly went to that cross for you and I. And He became that, uh, that sacrifice that He laid down His life. Isaiah 53 says, As the lamb is done before His shears, so opened He not His mouth. If you know anything about a lamb, then they will willingly lay their lives down and they will not fight. That natural instinct that is within everything else, that they will not fight, they will willingly lay that life down. Christ did that for you and I. 
There was not a fight. There was not a rebuke. There was not a rebellion. There was a willingness to go and to be that sacrifice for you and I. There was a willingness on the part of God the Father to give His Son there. We read in Isaiah 53 and verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. It pleased God to allow affliction to come on, the, on His own be, only begotten Son, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that affliction is what paid our sin debt. That affliction, that, that suffering that Christ went through is what made it possible for you and I to be redeemed. Apart from it, Hebrews 9 and verse number 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Apart from that suffering, apart from that sacrifice, there'd be no hope for you and I tonight. Friends, based on that alone, if God never did another thing for us, He'd be worthy of all of our praise. Not only His suffering and His sacrifice, but His substitution. I love when we look at what salvation bought us. Not just a home in heaven. Not just our name written down in the Lamb's book of life. But it literally bought us a sonship, an heir to the family of God. When we look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, it says, And He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He hath made Him. God the Father hath made Christ the Son to be sin for us. Literally, Christ became our sin. Took on our sin. The perfect, sinless Lamb of God. The Son of God. That, that uh, a perfect second person of the Trinity stepped down and left all of heaven to become sin for us there. Never having sin, never committing sin, hating sin with a perfect hatred, the same way that God the Father hates sin, so God the Son hates it, and yet He took on not just one person's sin, but all the sin of the entire world. So that we could be made the righteousness of God. Not only did salvation take away our sin debt, but it gave us His righteousness. He literally put back or imputed to us His righteousness. When we look at that fact there and we realize that because of God's sacrifice, we are now made whole in the sight of God. I love how one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible is John chapter 17, where Jesus Christ there is going in. It's the great high priestly prayer. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see uh, in the Gospel of John. It can be broken down into a beautiful picture of the tabernacle. In the first uh, 12 chapters. You have the outer court. Where it is uh, the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapters 13 through 16. There you have the inner court. There the priestly ministry. Where Christ is ministering to only the disciples. In John 17. You have that great high priestly prayer. Where the high priest enters into that holy of holies. On behalf of everyone else. And he stands there and he prays to God the Father, and he makes this statement, he says, Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Get a hold of that tonight. The blood of Jesus Christ has made it possible that in the sight of God, when He looks down on us, He does not see our sin, He does not see our past, He does not see our failures, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And He loves us with the same love, that agape love, that He loves His Son with. That's amazing tonight. We have all, all the reason in the world to praise God for His perfect plan tonight. Friends, it is a time of examination. It is a time of exaltation. And lastly tonight, it is a time of identification. In verse number 26, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death 
till He come there. We are, ident- uh, we are identified with the Savior. As often as we do this, we are identifying ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Very similar to baptism. When we look at baptism there, baptism does not buy us any special favor with God. The Lord's Supper does not buy us any special favor with God. They are what's called church ordinances. They are commands to be followed. But they are representative of things. Very similar, again, as, as you've heard me say before, it is similar to a wedding ring. The wedding ring does not make me married. If I take it off, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, unmarried. They're single, so to speak. It is simply a symbol of that marriage. Baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection, us being a part of that. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are partaking, we are recognizing, we are identifying ourselves with the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are putting ourselves willingly out there for the rebuke of the world and for the reproach of man in order to be identified with Christ. Not only are we identified with the Savior, but it identifies us with the saints. As I said earlier, those that partake of the Lord's Supper should only be the child of God. If you are not saved tonight, as, as humbly as I know how to say this, again, we'll give an invitation, but if you are not saved tonight, you have no part in the Lord's Supper. You have no part in His sufferings because you have no part in His death as of right now. Now it's offered to you. That hand of grace is extended to you. That invitation is given. But if you're not saved tonight, you have no business taking part in that. That belongs to God's children. Friends, tonight as we identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, let us examine our hearts. And before we partake in just a minute... I'm going to get the deacons come up, sit around. We're going to uh, get ready to pass out both the, the bread and the, and the juice there. And we'll identify ourselves with that. But as, before we do that, we're going to go ahead and give an invitation. I'm going to ask Miss Deborah to come. I'm going to ask every person, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's all stand tonight. First and foremost, if you are not saved... Let now be the time. Let this be the opportunity. Let this be the day that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to save you of your sins. Say, Lord, I recognize that you died on that cross as my substitute. That it was my sin and not yours that put you on that cross. It was your love for the sinner. It was your willingness to pay my sin debt. Lord, I want to be saved tonight. If you are saved, I pray that you would take this time to examine yourself and ask God that if there's anything between Him and you, if there's any unconfessed sin, that He would show it to you now. That you could confess it and get it right. That as we go forward, as the old hymn says, there be nothing between our soul and the Savior. Ms. Deborah's going to play for just a minute. You mind the Lord.